Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Carries in to Kaprizov, he scores! Corral the thrill with the answer for the wild, and it's even 1-1. Parisi scores! And the wild have taken the lead. Save Flurry, rebound, they score! They cash in, it's 3-1 Minnesota. The wild. Welcome in, Mackie and Judd, and it is a Victory Tuesday for the Minnesota Wild. It's a Victory Tuesday, and this is going to be the Judd Zolgad Apology Tour right. stopping right here in your podcast feed on the Score North <laughs> YouTube channel. Zolgad jumped off the Kaprizov bandwagon. He's been yep. off the Parisi bandwagon yep. for a number of years. Yep. And last night, bam, bam, those two guys throw a one-two punch combo to the I was gonna say uh, ample, but Judd's got the nice stripes on today, so he looks he looks like mm-hmm. he's 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 slimmed down during these playoffs. The stripes are important. PJs yep. on too, Judd? Uh, no shorts. Shorts, that's okay. Got it. Yeah, mesh shorts. That's, that's how I roll, Declan. Got to might not out. be aware. I wear mesh shorts to everything: high school football games, <laughs> church uh, weddings. It's always Matt yeah, Judd once we had a big discussion like five years ago on the uh, the old radio version of Mackie and Judd and Judd showed up to a random high school football game alone wearing mesh shorts. And we debated, is that creepy? Is that creepy? What, vanilla what, game. Is it creepy because he showed up alone? Is it creepier because he was wearing mesh shorts? Is it not creepy? Six, five, one, six, six four, six. six. <laughs> oh, I thought Dex was going to was going to be the. Latest to weigh in on oh, the, no. is that creepy? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I, then again, I'm wearing a shirt that says "Windy Peppercorn is a dime," so I, I guess in terms of in terms of, in terms of <laughs> like rational, it. normal creep human being, um, creep and normal clothing, I don't know if I can really speak too uh, heavily on Judd's clothing. I love it. So if you if you just you know if you if you missed the flurry of goals by the Wild to go from down one nothing to up three zero, right? And you like let's say you went and I don't know you took a ten minute bathroom break or whatever, right? You ate some spicy food. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you did some laundry, hmm. and you and you just watched the rest of the game, and you looked at the box score, right? Forty shots to fourteen. Um, you just had there the, the entire second period. Mark Andre Fleury was literally just like doing yoga down at the other end of the ice. Like, is anyone going to come hang out with me? Mm-hmm. Um, so, what stood out the most to you guys last night in a game that the Wild needed to have to keep their season alive? Kaprizov came to life with a great one-timer goal. 
Uh, Parisi had a classic gritty, grimy Parisi goal from behind the net. <laughs> so like from so some great things, but then it also looked like they were just manhandled at other parts. So what stood out the most to you guys? To me, the thing that stood out the most probably is the fact that that game itself encapsulated what this series has been since Game 3. Um, because the Wild didn't play well at all in the first period of Game 1, but after that they played very well and they won. Game 2, I think they they lost. They probably played their most complete game of the entire series in that game, in that loss, and Flurry was great. But starting with Game 3, the Wild played a great first period and then disappeared. For basically the next five periods, I, I know about the about the disallowed goals, folks. I'm sorry; those they still lose those games if they get those goals. So, um, it's not a positive necessarily, but to me, the thing that stood out last night was first period phenomenal. Came out flying, looked like they most definitely belong on, on the same ice with a very good team. Like this is what you want to see. It's it's like. The Golden Knights might be better than you, but you belong in the series, and you're a pretty good team. Second period, you get outshot what twenty two to one. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you guys have watched more hockey in your lives than I have, but I've watched enough hockey. I have never, ever seen a professional <laughs> NHL team look like that. Like I've never seen it that lopsided for twenty minutes. That was have, nuts. Yeah, and and here's the scary thing: these teams are competitive a lot of times, right? But like that's not as shocking if it is uh, a, just a terrible team that snuck in the playoffs or something. But the Wilds not. That's what I don't get. And then in the third period, I thought they came back and they didn't play great, but they played okay. And it's like, where's any semblance of consistency? Like, give me if you could combine what they did in the first and third. So it's not as good as the first, but it's it's workmanlike and and I didn't think in the third period they looked outclassed. They did in the second. I would take that in game 6 on Wednesday. Uh but yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was this was really in a nutshell from the Wild's point of view, this series. Great period, awful period, but then you come back and play an okay period. Uh it is in my opinion, inexplicable. I mean, I've watched a lot of this sport. I can't explain. I can't explain the ebbs and flows and highs and lows and the constant roller coaster. And I don't dislike this team. Like the previous Furious Rallies teams, <laughs> I dislike them because they basically wouldn't, like they didn't apply themselves at all. This team can do, this team actually, I don't think this is like an effort. I, I think they do care. I think they do want to do the right thing. But how they just get sort of lost in the shuffle uh, is is to me really hard to explain. So okay, so that's where I'm gonna I'm just gonna lob some some dumb questions at you guys because I thought I was watching the uh, the CNBC broadcast team. Joe Micheletti was the analyst last Pete night. Nigerian? Yeah, <laughs> it's Pete Nigerian. It's Pete and John <laughs> with your. <laughs> Here's your stat Mad tips money. for the yeah. second period <laughs> while the the ice is tilted 45 degrees. Um, so Joe Micheletti, and by the way, there's a clip going around that, and I heard this on the broadcast. He, he referred to the wild who before the game, they play shinny hockey to get loose or whatever, like those little games in the hallways and stuff. Yeah. And he described, he looks, it looks like they're playing shinny hockey out here or whatever he said. And people think he said another word live on CNBC and that clip's been circulating around. But but you know he kept describing whenever the Wild on the rare occasion after the first period where the Wild would get possession, let's say in their own end, and now they'd have to all right now you've got the puck finally, and now you have to 
somehow get it to the other end of the ice without icing it, which they did like five times in the second period. <clears throat> Excuse me. And his main complaint was they're not skating. Like, it's not that they're not capable. It's that they're just sort of like they're, they're standing around without yes. purpose. They're mm-hmm. not. So, okay, you've got the puck. What's your purpose? Like, let's <laughs> let's make something happen here. And they're just sort of like they're almost lollygagging. And, and Vegas was great just pouncing. Really? Look at how many turnovers they forced, right? So I guess my first dumb question is, why was it so hard for the Wild to skate with purpose? And I don't want to hear that they didn't want it as bad. Right. Like, what prevents them from being more aggressive in t- and once they get possession in trying to make something happen into Vegas' zone? So I'm going to actually give you an answer that I think you will like, because you're right. There there were versions of this club previously that I might have said, they're just not really trying hard. Like, it's just weird, but it's them. This is not them. Um, here's my Here's my dime store theory. The Wild came out in the first period again and played really well. And and this is where it's it's maddening to watch the second period because like they shouldn't get it shouldn't look like that ever. Like like that's if it does for a brief period, I guess I get that, but yeah. an entire period. So Bravo Cam Talbot for keeping that oh, thing together last night. Holy but, cow. But here's here's my answer to your question because this has been a lot of periods now of teetering on what happened in the second period. I think a lot of this comes down to one thing. I think it's coaching and adjustments. Vegas has, look, they've got skill. And when they completely like try to take over a game, they're capable of doing that. But that's not an excuse for your entire uh, roster of players and coaching staff to be like, oh, I, I guess now it's just time for them to dominate us, right? Like that makes no sense. This is pro sports. Um, they showed at one point during a TV timeout, they came back from it last night. And Dean was imploring them to go north and south. You know, you got to get the puck and skate. You got to get the puck and skate. I got news for you. This is National Hockey League. You got to have an answer beyond that, in my opinion. And what you have to do, and Vegas actually does this themselves at times, um, you have to find ways to, within the rules, so you don't get called. But keep in mind, they're not going to call a ton. Um, you have to find a way, and we, we talked about this on Wild Vent Line last night, Dex. Um, to obstruct and slow the Golden Knights through the neutral zone. And you also have to keep your defensemen moving constantly. And, and I un- understand there's per- there's peril to that because if they get caught, they're in trouble. Um, but I noticed in the first period, there was one instance where, where Suter really pinched in nicely and he kept the forecheck going because he did, because he pushed the play forward. Uh, it felt like in the entire second period, the Wild started to stand around and watch and, and the biggest problem was they let the Golden Knights get moving through the neutral zone. So they attacked your zone with a ton of speed. And if Football. you're and if you're watching that, you're in trouble. So what I don't understand from Dean's point is, like, I could go on the bench and be like, move north and south, move your feet, just move, 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 move the puck. Okay, that's great, Judd, thanks. Yeah, um, but this is game, but Phil, this is, I, I mean, l- let's compare this to football. This is game five of the series, okay? Like, nothing Vegas does surprises you. Like, you're not, oh, my God, these guys can really skate. Didn't see that in the first four games. So how is there not a counter to that that actually works to slow them down? I'm not saying that you were going to have a great period, and I'm not saying that you you were going to get 20 shots yourself. But from a coaching standpoint, with every line and every defensive combination, 
they didn't have an answer. And, and I, I guess I'm going to not completely, but I absolve the players a little bit because when it's that widespread, that speaks to me to coaching too. Like if it was if it was just one line that stunk, right? It's like, okay, they're not playing well. But you tell me, what line in the second period yeah. or what defensive pair did you see and say, wow, they played well? It was nobody. Um, so I'm going to say that that instead of saying effort and grit and hustle, I really think this partially comes down to not having an answer for an in-game adjustment mm-hmm. that you damn well need to make. I will say uh, there, there is something deceiving about the box score, too. You'll look and you'll see that Parisi was on the ice uh, for 14 minutes and 7 seconds, and Kaprizov was on the ice for only one minute more. And you'd look at that and say, well, co- uh, coaching, why are those two guys getting – uh, basically the same amount of ice time. My interpretation is that oftentimes, especially in the second period, when that Parisi line was out there, they couldn't get off the ice because mm-hmm. because the, like they're ice puck. they're you know they're they're fending for their for their lives. They're you know they're breathing heavy and they they can't get control of the puck, and Straight so that's why you saw. Uh, but you know I I I'm torn on the Parisi line because ultimately the reason why you put him in the game. Is to get a goal like he scored, right? And and, yep. and it was a cl- it was kind of a classic hockey goal where you're just like you're looking to churn activity and you're just you're, you're looking to be active and you're sort of hoping that something good happens. And that that's I mean really that's what Zach Parisi has been brilliant at even in his prime, right? He's just been one of the most active, feisty, pesty players uh, in the NHL, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have the same speed and he's and he's just not the same player that he used to be. But but the reason why you activate him is to get a greasy goal like that by the net, right? Whether it whether it happens to be a tip-in or whether it's a fourth chance stabbing in front of the net or whether he's flinging the puck from behind the net <laughs> off of Marc-Andre Fleury's back, that's why you put him in. So I'm torn in that they got the result they wanted from activating Parisi. Just give us like a veteran, experienced, gritty, greasy goal and just try to do that once per game right. the rest of the series. But then you look at like most of the rest of the game, and that line was completely outclassed and unable to get possession of the puck for almost the entire duration of the game. And so I guess that leads to the next question, which is you got this win, and it's it keeps your season alive, and you don't have to apologize for it. It's almost like one of those baseball games where you had you had one hit and one walk, and you won the game three to one because the other teams, you know. Left 14 guys on base and committed three errors. And it's like, listen, you don't have to apologize. Sometimes that's how hockey works. Sometimes that's how baseball works. But you got to find a new path to game six and game seven victories. You know, being back at home could help to some extent. But I tweeted the question last night. Why not try to inject? I mean, you've seen some of these teams call upon young prospects, right? The Was it the Florida Panthers that put in their young goalie to keep their season alive last night? Would it make sense to put Matthew Boldy in? And I get that he didn't travel to Vegas. He hasn't been practicing with the team. He's never played in an NHL game before. Yeah. But I'm just looking for I'm looking for a counterpunch, someone with just a, some fresh legs, a fresh perspective. Um, why? I know you guys have exhausted this on Judd's hockey show, but we haven't dove into it much on Mackie and Judd here. Why not? Why not for Game Six? It makes it makes a ton of sense to put him in. Um, when you have guys like Parisi and Bukestead and Benino Pominville and Coyle, you don't have speed. Like you really don't have a ton of speed. Greenway, Eck and Felino actually 
even though the Wild were completely outchanced last night from a Corsi 4 perspective, I mean, the Wild last night total had a 31% Corsi 4. So that means they were being, that means a 69% Corsi 4 for Vegas. But when they were on the ice, they were out shooting the Wild throughout the duration of the game 70% of the time, which is insane. And now the bulk of that came from that insane second period onslaught. But still, even in the first period, it was 56 advantage Vegas, 90% Vegas, 62% Vegas for one, two, 90. three period. Damn. It was absurd. Um, Dude, real quick, imagine being Cam Talbot in the second period. Uh-huh. And even if you know all the shots that were taken, the 20, whatever it was, 20-plus shots on goal plus other shots that didn't reach the goal. And, like, yeah, they're not all high-danger chances, but you have to be literally dialed in for, like, 35 or 40 minutes of real time. Yeah. 20 minutes of game time. And it's, just, it's just a barrage for, like, almost 45 minutes of real time. It, it's this bonkers. Was, this was Cam's Jim Craig game. Yeah. Well, like this was him being Jim Craig. This makes no sense how you won this game. How you won this game makes absolutely no sense of, of, of the, of the shot map. chart. And especially well, every you, time Declan puts the shot chart up, these. Uh, yeah, there's some graphics. It looks, it looks some very things. phallic. There's some very, very phallic. phallic. Yes. Very phallic. Well, and concerning to doctors, I believe, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some doctors might want to say, yeah, that one's a angled bit. a little to the left. Yeah, yeah we sure got it. We, 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 we might. Can you cough for me? We have to go for a consult on this. If you look even at the Wilds end, look at the two goals they got, which are basically behind, like they're behind the goal line. So you, you basically able to convert just those dirty, greasy hockey goals where Vegas was putting everything in front from the slot, from the corners, yep. from the top. They literally got everything where they wanted to be. If you're, if you're an offensive team trying to generate goals, this is where you would love to be. Yeah. And, and the lesson to me in those, like the, the, the two dots, I'm assuming, and this is, I'll try to describe it for the podcast and radio audiences. True. Uh, you've got the heat map up of where the shots were coming from, and then there's little markers where the goals were scored, and it shows where Parisi was standing behind the goal line. And then Greenway, I think, technically was standing behind or on the goal line, and it was a third jam at the puck, right? And the lesson to be learned there is just generating activity and action can lead to breakthrough in goals, right? And so how can you create more action than you created in the second and third periods of that game in games six and seven? And that's where I'm coming. I'm not saying that Boldy is going to be the fastest guy. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, could he create some more action than two or three guys that are currently hanging on on the third or fourth line for the while? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But they just won't play him, and yeah. that's the one thing they won't say why, and I have no clue why. But and the thing that so. Like, let's say that when Johansson got hurt, Parisi had to play because it was a political hot potato. And if you don't play him and you, you know, play a guy who would be making his debut, it would be tough for guys to accept. Okay. Like, let's just go down that path. I have no idea if that was talked about or if that's the case. But when, as I said last night on Ventline, when you replace Nick Bukestead in game four with Kyle Rao, you have opened the door completely. Like now Nick Bukestead, if Nick Bukestead is replaced by Rao, he can be replaced by Boldy, and it's not going to be a big deal. So I don't get it, but it's clearly not going to happen. I don't know why. I think it would help them. I think it would give them um, a burst of, of potential energy that they could use. And look, uh, Boldy had a great college season. He went and played for the U.S. in the World Juniors and was absolutely a stud. I watched those games. Outstanding. 
Uh, he, he then went from uh, from his college team to play for the Iowa Wild. He was outstanding. Like everywhere he's gone so far this season, he thrived. So like, why are you assuming he can't play here? And and when Kyle Rouse playing, Dean very I, I I get the sense Dean very much like sort of routine and these are my guys and blah blah blah. Um, and sometimes that's great. But sometimes I think it's being stubborn. And right now, unless there's something wrong that they're not telling us injury-wise, for instance, with Matthew Boldy, I think he's being stubborn. And I just don't get it. Well, I mean, he could be their insurance policy if he's healthy enough to play. And everyone needs a good insurance policy, especially business owners. That's where Federated comes in. Federated's been helping business owners for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota. 1904 is when that company was founded down in Owatonna. They have supported local sports teams in town. They have supported Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. And so we appreciate them for that. Most importantly, they've been supporting business owners, peace of mind, risk management tools, the MyShield uh, platform, which you can find more about at federatedinsurance.com. So if you're a business owner and you're looking for a better night's sleep, just making sure that you've got all your bases covered, Federated Insurance. Um, check them out, federatedinsurance.com. Remember, Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Go ahead, Judd. To go back on the shot chart again, too, I think it's an interesting point when you look at that to bring up that the key thing to that, to the, that entire, um, how that played out and why it is so one-sided to the Golden Knights is really based on puck possession and time with the puck and the mm-hmm. ability to essentially at times, and this is, ba- this is a bad thing, uh, play keep away. Um, and that's where, again, if a Boldy played, at least he's got a chance. And, and we did see, we, we have seen to your point, Phil, we have seen why Parisi, um, can still score goals at times. I mean, he is, uh, he works his ass off. I have never, ever questioned that. There has never been a time where I don't think he, he's worked hard, but the flip side in this series is we've also seen why he was benched, which is he can't keep up it's almost sad at times like you'll see the play just go by him and the first goal that was scored in game four at the x here for the golden knights is an example of parisi standing in the neutral zone he, he doesn't take the puck and he doesn't take the man and Waugh flies by him and eventually scores so both sides of of why zach should or should not play have been on display but this heat map that dex has up is to me all about one thing possession of the puck right if you possess the puck you're in very good shape to to create chances and basically call your shots. If you don't, it makes it very tough. And Talbot was outstanding, but it is, considering the second period last night, it is a miracle. They won. And I will say, Jordan Greenway, that goal that we saw from you last night, dude, that's the goal you need to score way more often. Because that's not that's not a possession goal. That's a hard work goal, right? Like he shoots, he gets the mm-hmm. rebound, he then whacks away. So like, there's never a true possession there. But that goal was born of basically hard work, and and you know you might get blasted. Who knows? But that's the type of goal that that was absolutely imperative to score when you can't possess the puck. But I think the Wild needs to find ways a if they're going to have any chance in Game Six and then subsequently to win the series. Which, if they win Game Six, Dex and I agree they very well might win this series. But they need to find a way to slow the Golden Knights down um, through the neutral zone, and by that I mean hit them, 
knock him off the puck. You might even take a penalty on occasion, but if you slow him down, it's worth it because you did not do that at all consistently last night. And they also need to find a way to get guys in the lineup who can possess the puck. And and, and the reality is, you know, they they have some work to do in the offseason. They might just need to find more guys and develop more guys who can possess the puck. It kind of feels like the postseason went to a new level and the Wild has they've they've ramped their game up a little in some areas, but it's like there's another level that this thing goes to that Vegas has gone to mm-hmm. that Colorado clearly went to yeah, and other teams that you're watching around the league here. And the wild just might not have that gear yet. And so they've got to find grimy, greasy, creative ways to win these games. But this is where in game six, it comes down to at least a portion coaching. Like you have to adjust. I don't think I, I think you're spot on, Phil. Now, the uh, abs that's, are great. Uh, hockey whisper. Hockey, whisper, hockey whisper. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The abs are great. Okay. So if you play them and they're as engaged as they can possibly be and healthy, they probably blast you. And I get that. But we've seen enough in this series so far to know that the Wild, when it's playing like it can play, can hang with the Golden Knights and, in fact, can probably beat them. Um, but what you need to do is you need to have a plan for, okay, we're not as fast. I, I just, it take it. I, I'm taken aback when the second period of game five looks like that, when nothing that the golden Knights did was surprising. Like they didn't unleash the flying V like there was nothing like, Oh my I God. Mean, that- maybe that's what the wild should do. I mean, Hey, listen, Keenan Thompson just, uh, just wrapped up season 18 of SNL. He's available. Yep. If you need, if you need someone to come in, little knuckle puck, little flying V. He's available. All right. Is that a problem? <laughs> Get creative, Dino. I'm just I'm just saying if you want to win game six, you can't you can't just have a period where you're like, look at them. They're really good. They're fun to watch. Yeah. So well, um I, I will say the now Kaprizov was was bottled up for most of the second half of the game, like for sure the second period. But that goal you know the 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 difference in the texture of the wild goals, right? You had the classic Parisi gritty goal. You had the Jordan Greenway, the bomb that uh, that Fleury couldn't corral, and then he takes two more jabs at it. Like those are those are playoff goals that you would expect to see. But then the Kaprizov goal was just a thing of beauty. I mean, just the one timer, just bam. Um, so would like to see more chances like that. But if you if you can't possess the puck for long stretches, you're not going to be able to play tic tac toe. Uh, beautiful passing hockey. So and that's, it'll be interesting to yeah. see what that adjustment is, too. And even right before the Kaprizov goal, and Mark Stone, who scored his fourth goal of the series, by the way, you know, he's their best player. Mark Stone is their best player. And it's to Judd's point of you need your best players to show up. And Mark Stone, throughout the course of this series, has continued to show up. And it's great that Kaprizov got the first goal. You know, Fiala's still working very hard. He didn't have as, as, as loud of a game, I guess, if you will, yesterday. But I still think he had a, a pretty productive game. That's where if if you can just put Boldy in, and I know it's a lot asking for it, but put Boldy in and just try to go with them. You need the skill to match them from Stone to Alex Tuck down. Vegas just has way too much skill, and if you get to Colorado, you're gonna have to make some big time adjustments because there's no okay, way you what, win that game. So what is what what has there? Because I'm I'm assuming Evison's been asked about this, right? What have have they gone on the record and said what their logic is for why Boldy isn't even in no legitimate consideration? Not, not Evison. Garen went on. Russo straight from the source podcast and basically said like, well, we have a plan for him. We don't want to throw him in. 
And then he also went on a tangent about how Victor Rask is misunderstood. And I, personally, I think it's a lot of GM <laughs> executive speak, and he's probably trying to shop him. Drew, Drew Butera was always misunderstood. Yeah, too. yeah misunderstood. Exactly. Exactly. Victor Rask. No, I think we get it. He's clearly he's a leader, and clearly he like there's things about him that keep him in the lineup. But sometimes that's not enough. Can when you you're... explain those yeah. to me? Hockey Whisper. <laughs> Hockey Whisper has no answers on that. Like front. he made some nice, <laughs> you know, he made some. A decent defensive zone plays last night, but that's a fourth line t- type of guy. Yeah. Um, the thing that I liked about Kaprizov's game, okay, this was far closer to what I wanted from him, which was one, he scored the goal, but two, he also, I thought for a lot of, of that game last night, I actually saw him. But like, I mean, this is, he's so good that if he just applies himself a little bit, and I understand the playoffs are a bear, like they suck. I'm sure it's, I'm sure playing is really tough um, because you're constantly being hit. You're constantly being held. It's probably beyond frustrating, but if you try and work through that, his skill is so high that that's why it's key. Like there is no, this whole thing about, well, everybody is struggling. Judd, you know, it's not his fault. It's not. No, he's your best player. The expectation for him has to be higher. You will never win a Stanley Cup if you continue to make excuses for a guy who's that good. And, and I think in a lot of ways so far in these first five games at different times, Fiala has put on a tutorial for Kirill because the key, the, the next step for Kirill, because he's strong, like he's got the attributes. There's no question here. The next step for Kirill is to play through, fight through the physicalness and frustration uh, because the goal of every team that plays you in the playoffs is to frustrate you if you're a star. They're going, and there's a lot of guys, and there have been Russians, Phil. I mean, this is not unusual, and I'm not accusing Kaprizov of this yet. It's far too early and premature. Of but being, I'm just saying, being Russian, there have been <laughs> Russians who have disappeared, okay? But then you got guys like Ovechkin who who learn and get it. And I think Krill's in, in that group. I think he's going to learn and get it. Um, but this is a very valuable experience. And the excuse of, well, he's just, you know, he's Krill. He's still great. Uh, okay, but if he's going to be great and if you're going to win a cup. And remember, the goal of everything Mackey and Judd and Declan do is championships. Um, if you make excuses for your superstar, you are going to be you are going to be playing golf or doing something other than watching the wild early a lot. Yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah, we we do have this weird like this is this wild season is is interesting because the expectations were not for them to advance and like maybe not even make the playoffs this year. Certainly not advance in the playoffs, and and here they are. So I'm giving them a little leeway. Like they're taking some lumps right now, but at some point. You know, raise the expectations, okay? Like, how often? It's been 30 years, these men's teams, 30 years since the last one won a championship. And so I think it's okay to set high expectations and to hold players and teams accountable from that perspective. Um, one more thing on the Boldy front, and then we can we can switch gears. I've heard, like, when I sent this out to the, to Wild Twitter last night, hey, can someone smarter than me explain why would they not consider is there a contractual downside? No, it's not like in baseball where oh you don't want to start a guy's clock, which is stupid, right? There's no there's no like contractual downside to doing it. Um, they're just making a choice not to start him. And one of the main reactions I got back was, why would you st- why would you put a guy in for his first ever NHL game when your season's on the line? And my point back is twofold. Number one, um, the team was playing terribly. Without him in the second and third periods, you could not possibly play worse 
with him in the lineup than you did in the second and third periods. You couldn't. So I don't want to hear that. It's not like this is a, you know, this is a high flying operation that is owning possession, right? You don't want to mess it up. Like you're not in don't mess it up mode. You're in need a spark mode. And secondly, if you're worried about nerves or pressure, I don't think there's any time for that in hockey. It's not like golf where you're literally spending like four and a half hours in your own thoughts and anxieties walking up to each shot, right, with people staring at you. Hockey is a sport that is centered around action. You make the action happen. You're out there. You're not, you're not overthinking. Like, you're doing. Hockey is a sport of doing. And so I don't want to hear that either. Like, if, if you're worried that, oh, what if he gets swallowed up by the moment? Well, I mean, all these other dudes are getting swallowed up by the moment. Parisi got swallowed up by the moment because he can't move anymore, right? So I don't know. I just like any excuse that you would make or reason that you would bring up just doesn't seem valid. So I would love to see him at some point. First of all, he shouldn't be playing in an elimination game because he should have been playing from the start of the series, which we've been saying this entire time, okay? Yeah. Um, I... I saw those responses, and I hate that response, and here's why. If Matthew Boldy plays, he's probably going to be a third-line wing, okay? A third-line wing. No one's telling him, hey, kid, you're playing first line, and we need you to win this Save game. Us. Save, Save us. Save us. Yeah. Exactly right. And if you think if you think he is mentally weak enough, I, I mean, this guy, the World Junior Championships is a huge tournament. Like, you talk about a moment. The, the wild season is, is a speck compared to that pressure. Um, and here's the other thing about that, that that I find really confounding. So Spencer Knight had played – limited games for the Panthers this year. So he had played some games, all right? But nonetheless, the Florida Panthers went to a kid who they drafted in the first round, who's their third goaltender right now. He's going to be marvelous, I think. And they literally said to him, we're going to put you in goal in an elimination game against the Tampa Bay Bleeping Lightning, who are the Stanley Cup champions. (laughs) And, oh, he won the game. Like, last time I checked, I've, I've not seen a report from Florida that there's a guy crying in his bed, weeping. That he he's gets like, the, swallowed up the by the moment. The too much for me, Spencer. I quit hockey. Yeah. Mom, Dad, come pick me up. Okay? So we're talking about a third-line wing here who, to, to your point, Phil, you're right. He could provide a spark. That's it. That's all you're looking for. And he provides more speed, and he's got some talent. And you know what? The most conservative group of human beings that I've ever run across really pretty much in my life, the Minnesota Twins, put Alex Kirloff in the outfield for a playoff game against the Astros. Last time I checked with that game, I think it was an elimination game, and he got a hit. He got a hit? Well, actually, I I think he might have gone – did he? I think he might have gone 0 for 3, but he hit the ball hard a bunch of times. Well, I thought he got a hit in that game. But, I mean – he didn't follow up, you know, again, he didn't start weeping in the outfield. They, yeah. M- Montreal threw in Cole Caulfield last night. 16 minutes, three shots on net. Didn't score, but made a, made an impact. Made a dang impact. Like, other teams are doing this and can do this. Make it happen, Wild. And yeah. and here's the thing, too, that you have to weigh um, in hockey today that's very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> <laughs> very Roycey of me. Bless you. Uh, so... So I gotta go, uh, Pat. We still have Pat. We have like twenty no. minutes left in the second. No, I, I mean go. I gotta go. I have to go. <laughs> oh, okay. The thing that you have to weigh in the game today is, is this experience versus speed. And I'm sorry, but if you've watched the Golden Knights, speed's pretty important, right? 
Like Preacher's experience is nice, and he scored that goal, but he also lots of times was caught through no fault of his own, standing still because they're so darn quick. Mm-hmm. So, like to me, the if if you if you were to do a side by side chart of okay, the experience is low, so that hurts. The potential of Boldy's speed and and ability because he's young to do things that a guy like Parisi can't outweighs the experience factor. Like, look at how the Golden Knights move. In that second period, are you telling me that you wouldn't have taken anyone with speed that you could have gotten to slow them down? Mm-hmm. Of course you would have. Yep, I agree. It, it's, I mean, it, experience, definitely important, but more talent and just ability to keep up and uh, make something happen is probably the most important. So, Hey, kids, how's the water? It's full of weeds. I can't move my legs. Uh, your arms are free, right? Yeah. yeah. Wave them around. It's fun. you kidding me? This can't be happening. This is Jamie from the Aquaside Company. Clear your water completely. Destroy weeds, algae, and the muck that's preventing you from enjoying your waterfront property. We know your time in the water is precious. We're the Aquaside Company. Call 800 800- Three two eight nine three five zero, or visit Aquaside.com. State permit may be required. All right. Well, that was good. If you guys want even more deep dive and you haven't listened to the immediate wild vent line reaction, you guys welcomed like a dozen wild fans into the show with you. We are the most interactive Minnesota sports platform in the Twin Cities. Score North, Mackie and Judd, our vent line franchise uh, reaction to games like that one last night. And then Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Conversations, yes, even during the offseason. Whenever I tell people that, you know, like, like Hubbard, we work for Hubbard, and there's and there's uh, seven other Hubbard markets, and, you know, the other markets will ask, oh, Purple, oh, okay, Purple Daily, so is that, is that daily during the season? Like, no, it's, no, it's 365 days a year, baby. We're talking purple. You can find that, Apple, Spotify, <laughs> scorenorth.com. Uh, et cetera. Aaron Rodgers said some interesting things on with Kenny Maine on SportsCenter last night. That was marvelous, that we'll by to. the way. Marvelous. But uh, the Wild weren't the only team with a dramatic, big-time, maybe season-saving victory last night. We're gonna win, twins. We're That's gonna right. score. And every guy up and down the lineup uh, went out there and, and battled. You know, we didn't do it by, uh, uh, you know, we talk about it. We didn't do it with, like, one big swing. We did it with... Uh, with everyone up and down the lineup going out there um, and just grinding the bat all the way to the end and making something happen, you know, trying to just find a barrel, uh, you know, swinging at the strikes, taking the tough pitches. Um, that was beautiful. All right. Our twins discussions here, talking twins every day, although that segment has been on life support a couple times, a couple times. Uh-huh. Twins uh, at one point, 14 games below 500, but our twins discussions powered by our friends at Dennis Kirk, and DennisKirk.com. It's riding season. It is swassy out there. If you want the wind blowing through your hair, whether it's the hair on your head or the chest hair like Judd Zolgad, whatever you ride, Harley, sport bike, Metro Cruiser, you'll That's find it. what you need. No, no we don't need no, to see it. No, 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 good on that. Please. Definitely good on that. Yep. <laughs> you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Order by 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. And shipping is free when you spend at least $89. DennisKirk.com, everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, boys, so the Twins, they beat the Orioles, come from behind fashion last night, two of the worst teams in baseball record-wise. But the Twins offense, eight runs last night, eight runs on Sunday, um, ten runs on Friday, six runs on Thursday. So they're, they're coming alive here a little bit offensively. They are no longer the worst team in baseball. They now have the third worst record 
in baseball, and they've moved to just 11 games below 500 with two more left against Baltimore, three against Kansas City, who I know started hot, but that's not a great team, uh, and then three more against Baltimore, four more against Kansas City before you play the Yankees, Houston, etc. So this is the stretch right here over the next week and a half, two weeks against Baltimore, Kansas City, all the way through June 6th where you can turn your season around if you do a ton of damage. So uh, do you guys want to talk about the Twins' turnaround and the potential to still make the playoffs, or do you want to talk about the new trade rumors that came out yesterday? Oh, boy, let me debate this. Let's see, nine and a half back, tied with the Bengals for last place in the AL Central. What are the trade rumors? Speculation. All right. Yeah, we're not, listen, Twins, we're not letting you off the hook. You start 14 games below 500. You're going to have to beat the Orioles at least twice before we start talking about a big-time season turnaround. They beat them 13 times in a row. What do you negative Nancy's talking about? They've been beating up on the Orioles for the last two years. Have they really beat the Orioles 13 times I, in I a row? I saw a fact that from Heather Rule yesterday that they've they've won like 13 straight against the, against the Baltimore Orioles. It's actually pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I mean, they are pretty bad. The Orioles are... A god-awful baseball team. They're not really good. Um, but um, yesterday, our friend John Morosi, MLB Network insider, so he speculated in a tweet, speculated, of course, because he's not getting this information with any sort of sourcing, right? I heard he According makes to it Twins up Twitter. when he wakes up. He just makes just He goes and gets his a cup finger, of Joe, sticks it in the and air. And like, what I, are I the Twins going to do? He likes to cherry-pick what, what's, what's fact and what's not. It's kind of what he likes <laughs> yes. to do. So John Morosi speculates that Nelson Cruz could be the most sought after. I'm paraphrasing this, uh, but one of the most sought after rental bats on the market. Obviously, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Some of this is going to be semantics. Like you're seeing some of these reports come out now because teams are starting to have conversations behind the scenes. Um, Obviously, it's easy to look at impending free agents that are on bad teams like Nelson Cruz. So. There's some reporting, there's some educated guessing, speculating, etc. But this is the second time Morosi has thrown out a specific twin's name in the last week, and he's not the type of reporter that just does this, right? He's he's gleaning this from conversations happening behind the scenes. Um, he's not just waking up and floating things. I've seen this trick, too. Like, it's clear now that he's got a source, because the trick is he got all of these names at once and was told, but don't tweet it or don't report it all at at once. Just it's like a meal, right? Like burritos. I'm going to put that out there. Appetizer. It's delicious. And then crew. So uh, yeah, he, he definitely was, he definitely talked to somebody who probably had talked to the twins and the twins are at least starting to explore names, which they should be. I mean, yeah. That's yeah, the, well, the wise move if you're Derek Falvey. And to that point, so Mark Feinsand, who's been a national uh, baseball insider for MLB.com as well the last few, he used to be a Yankees beat writer and uh, and then graduated to uh, national columnist reporter guy. So Reckless speculation. So he has a long piece on MLB.com where he talks to Thad Levine, and uh, and the, but the premise of the article is: Could the Twins jump the rest of baseball mm-hmm. and be the first team to start selling pieces off? With just how bad of a start this has been, that's the main question and topic that he's exploring here. And of course, Thad Levine says, "I love Thad, man. Like Thad has this philosophical way of pontificating his way through an answer, right?" And 
And uh, just to sum up all of Thad's quotes, hey, listen, um, we project it to be better and we think we're better, but ultimately, like, the wins and losses are going to be the thing that determines what we do. So we need more wins, <laughs> is what he's saying. Yes, you do. Otherwise, we're going to have to start uh, pulling the trigger on some trades. And then he quotes a bunch of anonymous AL and NL executives, a couple that say, hey, this is a really conservative front office. They're not just going to go and like pull the trigger on a bunch of trades right now. Uh, but this is the interesting part of the, this, sort of the meat and the guts of the article here. The impending free agents on the Twins would obviously be candidates to be moved, like Nelson Cruz, Jay Happ, uh, Mike Pineda, those types of guys, right? Andleton Simmons. But what about players under control? The prospect of a new collective bargaining agreement creates uncertainty about the future of the qualifying offer, making it possible the Twins could look to move a player with years of control beyond 2021. Miguel Sano is due $9 million in 2022, followed by $14 million on a club option for 2023. Jose Barrios, Taylor Rogers, Byron Buxton, all arbitration eligible for one more year, but then free agents after 2022. Jorge Polanco will earn $5 million next year, seven and a half in 2023, and then some vesting options for the two following years. Quote from an NL executive, I think they could get creative at this point and look to move some guys with a little control left if they wanted to. Otherwise, they don't have an obvious group of impact pending free agents. So what this is telling you is executives, or at least one executive here, and there's there's others that are quoted are saying, yeah, they can probably get something for Nelson Cruz, but you know he's a DH. He's really only going to be available for half the league and then chop that in half or more because there's only going to be so, so many American League contenders that are going to trade for him. So if they really want something valuable, like if they want impact young pitching at the deadline, you're probably going to have to trade a player with team control, like a Taylor Rogers or a Byron Buxton or a Jose Barrios, if you can't reach a contract extension with him. You know, a lot of this is educated speculation, but I can guarantee you that there have been conversations behind the scenes Team A contender picks up the – are the Twins initiating? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they're just, you know, feeling some phone calls. But Team A picks up the phone and says, hey, uh, you guys are terrible. You guys are terrible. I know you don't think you're going to be terrible all year, but you're terrible right now, and you're probably going to be terrible between now and the trade deadline. So let us know when you're ready to talk about Nelson Cruz. Maybe you're ready to talk about Jose Barrios. And the Twins say, we hear you. This is definitely a disaster start. We still have two months until the trade deadline, so we're not 100% in on selling everything, uh, but let's definitely stay in touch if this thing doesn't get turned around. Like Those are the conversations happening behind the scenes right now. So on the um, episode I did of Unchained with Patrick Ricey yesterday, he actually said, and he claimed he has no sources here, but, you know, he's a he's a big-time ball guy, big-time baseball guy, very knowledgeable. And he recklessly speculated. He said, you know what I think, John? I said, what, Pat? He said, I, I think they're going to move or look to move Barrios or Rogers." So he said the same exact thing. And I don't think he had seen that report. Uh, so I, he said that independent of, of the reporting uh, of Mark Feinstein or J.P. Morosi. So 
I could see them doing that. And, and I told Jake Pew this on Talking Twins yesterday. My Burials thing is this. I think you, it's probably not ideal, but where with things stand, Phil, I think you have to go to the Brios camp right now because my desire is not to trade him. I would like to see him sign. Like, like he's, you've already proven that it's been a bit of a struggle for you to develop pitching so far. Now that might change with the guys coming up in the next couple of years, but right now that has not changed. And Brios is a very solid starter. He's not, mm-hmm. and he's not a true ace, but our expectation, we, we need to, in that sense, we need to sort of accept the fact that he's still a very good pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I go to the Brios camp right now and say, what's it going to take? Like, we need to find out. And I would if, too, by the way. I, I would prefer to sign him to an extension. Yes. I would and, prefer that. And if it looks feasible and doable, that's my first goal. My first goal is not to trade him. But if they say, we are going to hit the market. And it, I mean, Barrios looks like a guy who wants to get paid. And, and he might be a guy who says, I, I'd like to see what the Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers offer me then I think you're in a situation where you have to look long and hard about making the best deal possible this July. Yeah. Be- because because if you trade him at the deadline in a year, if we're playing baseball, um, it's going to get you something nice. But it could get you a lot if you send his control to a team now. So that, that would yes. be my first one. Rodgers, I have no problem with trading. And, in fact, I think if the Twins – uh, start to take themselves seriously, the bullpen on the fly. And this is not my first goal. But if the Twins say, you know what, the division's not that great, KC's not good, um, we think that we've got a chance still to at least take a shot at a wild card. I think you have to redo the bullpen on the fly here. Like this bullpen to me is not acceptable for if you, th- if you think you have a chance. And they're, they're smart. They might say, we really don't. But let's see. Here's the to that point. Like this is where it's really hard to do. Like let's say so there are eleven games under five hundred. Let's say and they play Baltimore. What is it? Five more times in the next week and a half, and then they play Kansas City seven times. So they have twelve games left against these garbage teams. Let's. I mean, let's say you go. Nine and three in those twelve games, right? And you get to twenty-seven and th- so then you'd be five games under five hundred, emerging from that stretch. So if you get red hot for two weeks, you're still five games under five hundred going into mid-June against the Yankees in Houston. Yeah. So again, like you're you're probably not going to pull the trigger on any trades until you get into July. So I, some I, I think there's some there's some debate over semantics too on Twins Twitter, for instance. Like, you know, you know. They're not. What do you, a trade is imminent. I don't. I, I don't think a trade is imminent. When I say the Twins are on the verge of selling off, I mean like in the next couple months. I think they could do more than just trade Nelson Cruz. I think they could trade Jose Barrios to ev- everything you just said. This is the decision they have to make right now. If they don't think that there's like a seventy-five percent chance they're going to throttle down and make the playoffs. If you let's say you blow through the trade deadline and you've and you've either been you've stayed neutral or you've added right let's say you've man we're we're getting back to five hundred this is the team that we thought we had all year and yes we still have a bunch of ground to make up but finally we're on the charge and let's let's make a couple uh, bullpen additions right and you come up short at the end of the year well now Nelson Cruz is a free agent going to be forty one. Uh, Pineda, Hap, Shoemaker, love him or hate him, that's 60% of your rotation. Yep. Those guys are gone. Yep. Uh, Kenta Maeda's got a shoulder right now, and he'll be 34 next year, so he's emerging out of his prime. 
and uh, Jose Barrios will be entering the last year of his contract. And unless you overpay him, like you're getting to a point now where it doesn't make sense for him to accept a contract extension with free agency just on the horizon. It would be like now would be the time that right. he would potentially agree. But you get to the now you're going final year with him, final year with Buxton. And there's no guarantees that those guys are going to stay with you. So, like, you're kind of at a crossroads right now. This was supposed to be a World Series year or win a playoff game for the first time in 17 years a year, right? And it hasn't turned out that way. So, the, to me, the smart franchises, the forward-thinking franchises would would swallow hard and they would say, listen, like, this doesn't have to be a five-year rebuild, but we've got some pieces in transition whether it's contracts coming up or whether it's uh, free agents that are you know just going to be gone at the end of this year, that you might have to just take a deep breath and hit the reset button, even for a year. This is the time. This would be the time to make that decision in the next two months. And I think it's it's like it's come up it's come up a lot faster than people thought. So it's like when you trade Barrios, right? Well, I mean, well, it's on the sign. table. It's if he if he doesn't you, want to sign a contract, it has to be on the table. We need to be prepared for one one thing, and I know people are going to call the poll that's cheap, and they're going to freak out, and the Twins are going to get hammered. Um, Barrios and Buxton aren't both coming back. There's almost no way. Uh, one of them probably can. Both of them probably can. Uh, Buxton's going to – I think Buxton, based on just spec, is going to get paid, and I don't know if it's going to be here or elsewhere. Uh, but a guy who's hurt as much as he is scares me a lot. I, I love him. He's an unbelievable talent when he plays, which is the, the key word. But I think I think those two are going to get offers either somewhere that the Twins aren't going to be able to keep both. So that's why I would go to the Brios camp right now and say, what can we do? Because mm-hmm. you know what? He is a very solid pitcher. The bullpen thing that I threw out, by the way, I am not in favor of. I'm just saying that if if they wake up and say, oh boy, we're coming back, we're coming back, you can't do that with this bullpen. Like, it needs work. It, it And that's hard to do, and I personally don't advocate for that. Here's where I think you're actually in a pretty good predicament, too, if you do this right. If you do all, all the things that we're talking about and you start to make trades and you start to sort of accept your fate, which is it's been a disappointment, um, and they might start to play, you know, that, I mean, great, they start to win some games. But I think if you sort of accept your fate and are smart about it, you know, there's a lot of things here that are positive right now. Uh, Larnick, see that home run last night? Holy yeah, cow. Ridiculous. Kirloff's going to be damn good. Uh, you've got you've got some pieces. I, I would personally, and I'm not saying that this guy's great, but I would personally like to spend the rest of 2021 making a decision on a guy like Nick Gordon. And Polanco has a chronic ankle problem. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, that thing's been surgically repaired once or twice now, and it, it's a problem again. So that's a real issue. But, you know, find out about Nick Gordon. Um, I would personally hope that, Snow heats up. I would try and trade him. Kirloff's my first baseman. I think Kirloff's really damn good. Also, so like if Snow's contract, here. if Snow's contract, because you can like you can find guys who hit home runs once in a while that hit two hundred and strike out a bunch and can barely play a position. Like Snow is forget about the the idea of what Snow could have been. He's twenty eight, man. Like this is who he is. Yes, this is who he is. Yes, there's no there's no David Ortiz breakout happening here. Okay. There's there is no David Ortiz breakout. Now, could he hit forty home runs if he stays healthy in a season? Yes. Absolutely. But his overall value is not 
especially on a middle tier payroll team, it's not worth the ten, twelve million dollars you're gonna especially when you might have to bring in some more pitching. You might have to you know, if 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 Miguel Sano's contract is preventing you from giving Jose Barrios five million extra dollars per year, get rid of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Just get yes. rid of it. So yes. um so yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be a really interesting two week stretch to see how hot they can get. And if they if they can't dominate Baltimore and Kansas City over the next couple of weeks, going into the Yankees for three, and then the Astros for three, uh, and then you know at Seattle for the middle of June too. That team has lost a bunch of games recently, but that's not a pushover series either. These are the series where you literally have to go like ten and two or nine and three and jolt your season right now, mm-hmm. or these trade discussions are only going to become more of a reality. So. I like yeah. the idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if the Twins are 20 games below 500, it just means that you can uh, go golfing without mm-hmm. having to worry about watching the Twins. And if you're going to go golfing more this summer, I would recommend stopping by PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center and uh, pxg.com slash Minneapolis. Check out the new clubs, the 0 to 11 clubs, the Gen 4 clubs, all kinds of amazing clubs to help you lower your score on the course. If you just want to look better on the course, Spring my, and summer that's apparel my goal right now. Like has I, arrived. I, I'm trying to break 100, but at least I look really good. Thanks, Bryson Oh my! Oh God. man, did you guys see that? Clip? Can we talk about the this? Greatest you're done. thing ever. Yeah, finish the read. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center. Find out more at pxg.com/slash Minneapolis. So we almost should just play it, but we don't have it. And plus, there's f bombs. There's f bombs involved. So we don't have an edited version, but. <laughs> It's so I great. mean, Brooks, Brooks Kepka, who's, by the way, one of the most like miserable, arrogant, just unlikable guys. And Bryson DeChambeau is unlikable in different ways. He's more just like aloof guy. <laughs> so it's the, it's the two most villainous players on tour, and apparently they hate each other, or at least Kepka hates mm-hmm. DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. There, is, there was a raw clip that someone from Golf Channel floated out like a producer must have clipped it and said let's get this out there greatest ever and it's brooks kepka at a microphone doing you know they're counting down all right you guys ready to start okay cool and brooks just has this i don't want to be here look on his face he's he's looking off in the distance (laughs) and he's and we know now he's looking over at bryson DeChambeau, and uh he gets asked a question about how tough the course was and his answer was like you know just in putting was it's just when it's this windy it's tough to to putt, and then DeChambeau walks behind him in the camera shot, and Kepka closes his eyes, stops his answer, <sighs> takes a deep breath, rolls his eyes, and goes, I'm sorry. And he drops a couple F-bombs. He's like, I lost my concentration after listening to that BS or whatever. Apparently DeChambeau said, you just got to line your putts up as yep. you walk by him. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, that's what he said behind him. And Kepka got to get on the right line. Buddy. Kepka must have hawk ears because, like, he was yeah. talking into a mic, and Deschambeau's behind him, and he hears it. And I, I guess what bothered Kepka at first was Bryson wears metal spikes, and so like that's what he saw at first, and was like, because uh, I, I don't know why, but he was Bryson. Like, I think it's annoyed. Bryson swings so hard yeah. in the tee box, you can hear he, those metal spikes hitting the. Okay, well, he was annoyed clear. by that, but it, anyway, this is one of the most. This is one of the greatest clips in sports, as far as like two guys with just true <laughs> disdain. Just the for each smirk other. at the end, like, oh, we'll have to run that again. That was so funny. Okay, yeah, I don't care. Like, I like. Yeah, he I, said, I don't care. Disdain. I don't even care. He, I he, love he said, it. well. He, 
He said, we'll have to run that. It'll well, be yeah. funny. We're going to run that for the guys in the back and yeah. he, it, so it doesn't get out there. And Kepa goes, Kepa goes basically like, if it gets out, I don't uh, even yeah, care. I don't even care. Well, it's out. Yeah. <laughs> we need – okay. Judd's great. not a golf guy, but if you heard tomorrow, hey, U.S. Yes, Open, it's I'm Sunday, in. and these I'm two in. dudes are in the final pairing. <laughs> no, I'm totally in. This? I loved it. So I think this is a Ryder Cup year. I think it's a Ryder Cup year. So the Ryder, the Ryder Cup, these guys are, I mean, both of them, unless one of them's hurt and Kepka's had a knee injury, they're going to be on the Ryder Cup team together. Yep. Pair them up. September. I told you guys. Pair them up. Whistling, how great is, whistling straight how gr- this year. How great is sports hate? Oh, sports so hate. I love sports hate. <laughs> it is hilarious. So, all right. Good stuff today. Good stuff today. A little, a little hope for the wild and some hope, hope for the twins. Hope for the twins. <laughs> yeah, hope they can, hope they start wheeling and dealing. Also, here's one thing. I just to, just to wrap the show here. People, I think, I think people are so sad about the idea of the twins trading. I look at when it, when a team is forced to confront its cliff. <laughs> I look at that as a fun time too. Like, look, this it doesn't have to be a full rebuild. You got you got some good young pieces, but wouldn't it be fun to see if they could get some big young arms that don't currently exist in their system? Like Toronto's got three top 100 overall prospects that are all 23 years old, ready to play in the big league soon. Like if you could send Taylor Rogers and Jose Barrios, if Barrios doesn't want to sign, he doesn't want to take 18, $20 million a year. Like, all right, sorry, dude, you're not an ace. So we're not going to give you 30. Um, And just like get, get it. I don't, to me, it's kind of fun to think about a young nucleus going into 2022 We'll see. These are my favorite players, Phil, okay? Just quit trying to trade them. I love <laughs> I this team. I love Nelson Cruz. I mean, he's my but you'll age. you'll love Trevor Larnick, too. Trevor Larnick is great. You'll love he's the, young. You'll love the Blue Jays starter prospects that are flirting in their system, yeah. too. Like, it'll, it'll never be the same. Oh, man. It'll never be, be the same as those two playoff teams that couldn't score a damn run. <laughs> no. Oh. This has become a really unlikable bunch. It's like they just melt. Oh, they're beating good teams, and so now we're supposed, or they're beating bad teams now, yeah. so we're supposed to get excited. No, screw you. Beat the Yankees. Yeah. Beat beat the Astros in two weeks. You know, we'll I will say this. I will. I will say this. There's a lesson to be learned, and this includes us too. Um, but in retrospect, now, right, the Josh Donaldson signing is a lesson again about be careful what you wish for and complain about. Everybody want yeah. I mean that's what everyone I, I wants, did. right? I, I spend a hundred million dollars on yeah, a free I agent. Did. Well, me too. So I, I'm not absolving myself. I'm just saying that the next time that we complain, why don't you try? Why don't you go get these guys? Uh, well, Ugh. guess what? Now there's a price to pay there. And Josh, um, as far as I can tell, is an aging baseball player who I don't know what the future holds. Yep. Well, he's 35, going to be 36 yeah. somewhere in there, right? So all right, we got to run. Go check out Rapping with Roycey on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Wild Vent Line, all kinds of things happening. Daily Minnesota sports entertainment right here on Mackie and Judd. Write that down predictions and uh, an accountability session surely to go wrong on tomorrow's show. See you guys. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.